Welcome back to another edition of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. I'm Matt Sanzala, and this is the podcast where I just sit down and talk to my friends and have a real talk, man. And today, tonight, I don't know when you're listening, but whenever it is, I'm here with my man, Keith Corona. What's up, man? What's up, Matt? One of Austin's finest, hands down. International Keith is in the house. <laughs> and I'm glad we're getting a chance to sit down, man. I, we should have had the mic on the whole time because you've given me yeah. you know, some background and things. Like we talked about some things, and... uh I want to get into that, but uh, tell I want to tell people a little bit about you know what I've w- witnessed here in Austin, and uh, you were always one of the artists who was you. I don't know how to say stuff because a lot of people put in the work, people work and all that. But I always saw you working. I always saw you always had the videos, quality videos, and uh, you rap in English and Spanish, and really. What I've seen of you over the years is you connect with a lot of people here. Like you, you seem like you're connected to a lot of this community. Yeah, man. Like um, I was very early on with it. Yes. A lot of people. There's people like Dominican J. People like uh, Low Key from the league. Uh, Sandman from the league. His twin. Mm-hmm. They say things like, "I'm probably the third person that they knew out of South Austin." putting something out and having something, a product to put in your hand besides Dove South, yep. besides Set for Life, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I was probably the third person you knew who had a product. I didn't. I wasn't big with it. I, I didn't have it in stores. It was just with my homies. But we were doing it, man. I had something to give you, you know what I'm saying? Something to yeah. sell you. I had a product. So that's one of the places where everybody knew me from. Mm-hmm. And then being around South Austin – freestyle and stuff like that somehow some way jake this guy named jk from set for life who who worked promo for set for life and was like one of their like um underrated talents that they had because he was cold freestyler man but he came around he made his way to my house he brought doc holiday to my house he brought will hustle to my house i was probably like 17 at this time you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. we're talking around 2000 easily yeah 2001 he brought them to my house and um they started they started supporting me man they were just like i was real organized with everything will hustle loved me for that fact you know what i'm saying jk loved me for that fact they started taking me to the music lab on old torf how to get your cds made how to have them pressed stuff like that when they first started doing like the heat press on on the actual cd mm-hmm. we were excited about that because the labels kind of looked kind of ugly to me mm-hmm. but um so I've just I'm connected with everybody everybody like that man like I've heard your name in their house since I was a kid you know what I'm saying and man. Will Hustle mentioned you Doc Holiday mentioned you plenty of times since I was a kid man well that's interesting to me because uh, first of all shout out Set for Life of course Will Hustle Doc Holiday everybody yep, I mean definitely. Doc was one of the MCs of the 2000s for me definitely. I was like damn that dude. You know? That was my inspiration, man. Yeah. That was, I, I, there was there was rappers in Austin before that, but Doc was the first guy I don't know that just made me think like he made real actual songs that could be played radio and have international like play maybe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I love that we have to delineate something here for real because there's Austin, but there's South Austin. Yeah. And South Austin's always been a thing. And what's crazy right now in 2022, it's becoming the cool part of town again. <laughs> the Fire Out Lounge is one of the coolest venues. The, the Little Darling. All the, there's a lot of like venues and things the happening. The yard just down south. There. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. It's crazy. But 
my experience, my entry into Austin hip hop was a group from South Austin called Sociopath Left in the early nineties. Wow. Through uh, Andre Walker and this Here is we're rap the, we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You're schooling me. Hip-hop. This is great to know. Hip hop, wow. real hip hop of the early nineties, okay. for real. Okay. Uh, Mr. Cree, Crop Diggy, he went by different names, which makes it hard, but I don't know if you ever he DJ'd a lot here yeah. up until he died in twenty twenty. But uh, he was one of my best friends and a guy named uh, Arvin. He went by Jack Fiend. Uh, Spinner T. You know DJ Spinner T? No, I don't. Man, he was like a, a battle champ back in the 90s, like a real dope DJ. He's still around with, in San Antonio. Uh, they were the first people. I met a guy named um, Andre Walker, who was the second person that was booking hip-hop at South by Southwest. Wow. And um, I had a radio show in Houston, and he had hit me up about wanting to bring this group up to the show and then also he's like oh if you have anything you know if you can help me with some houston stuff for you know south by southwest this is 93 for the 94 event yeah and uh we just connected and uh i ended up living with those they came up and lived we lived in new york together for a little bit this was like my entrance when i first was coming to austin and especially in the in seeing the the hip-hop scene it was them before them they had a group called the garden wow which is a South Austin group with, a, you know, they were like a Wu-Tang of that time. It was just a bunch of MCs and black, white, Mexican, uh, they had girls, they had everything. Like, Man, like is, there, is, there, is there music online? Is there music in CD? Is there, there stuff like that? There might be some sociopath left. To hear some of this kind of stuff? Man, I've never even heard of this kind of stuff. Yeah, that was this South Austin. great Al- to learn, you know what I'm saying? I need to get, I, gotta, I never, I don't think I've ever had a garden song. I don't think I've ever had one. Because the first guys I ever heard rapping out in South were Dove South. Yep. The, yep. the water. I remember, you know what I'm yeah. That was what I first heard. But you're younger. I mean, sociopath left you. They yeah, were when you younger, were way younger. You were a kid, kid, kid. Like yeah, yeah. this was this was way back then. And uh, but they, yeah, they were. Uh, South Austin has always had that vibe, like, and I don't think it's been able to be taken away like a lot of the city has changed and this and that and it's plenty of south austin's changed don't get me lots of it has but there's still a lot of cool stuff down there man yeah man it still has its places man south austin is still maintains a little bit of that uh that homegrown old feeling to it mm-hmm. when you're around there you know what i'm saying it's changing man they're moving in the four or five quick as well but although you see all up and down south first in congress mm. they've 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 gotten it north, uh, South Lamar as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's insane. They're they're moving pretty quick, man. <laughs> man, I don't. It was a couple years ago when they showed the Bushwick Bill documentary at the Alamo Draft House South, and uh, I can't lie. You know, you see where I live. I'm you know I'm I'm Midtown now. I think they call it. But uh, you know, you live up north. You don't go down south so much. You live down south. You don't do that. And I hadn't really. And plus the traffic on South Lamar would drive me crazy. Like I have a hard time with that. So I hadn't been down there. I just knew where I remembered the Alamo Draft House South to be. And I thought, yeah, I'm just drive down there, no problem. And <laughs> I passed it like majorly. And I'm like, I know it's not this far. It's- what did I do? And I went up there and saw everything build up, all the stuff that's been I was like, man. And so the whole Burnett Road. If you see Burnett Road, it's gonna be all condos. Yeah, I haven't been. I haven't been down. They Burnett. knocked down all the old school places. Not top notch. It's still there, but wow, lots of stuff. Yeah, I haven't been down Burnett in years, man. 
No, see, that's what I'm saying, because you're a Southsider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we used to tell, you, used to tell everybody, man, I'll give you a ride, but if you got to cross the river, I'm not taking two. <laughs> no, because, man, it just, yeah. I mean, it, it, it used to be even worse, I think. we, I think pandemic, we're back to uh, quote-unquote normal now, but traffic-wise here, it's, uh, it's not as hellish as it was in 2019. It's not yet. It's not as bad yet. It's bad. Yeah, I tell a lot of people, man, like, Austin will give you road rage, even if you don't have road rage. I, I try not to, man. Right. I really try not to. I, I even been tried to be conscious of it, and it's impossible. Me too. I try to talk to myself and like yeah. a lot when I'm in the car because I'm like, man, this traffic in Austin is ridiculous, man. Like, it's like you know, um, one of the first things you learn in driving school is what a what a green light means. <laughs> it means go, go, okay, Austin, go. It's green. We could talk about that all day. I don't want to ruin everybody's uh, podcast. Right. Well, tell me about how you got here, man. Like you're telling me, because I know one of the things I admire and I'm jealous of is uh, I see you going back and forth living between Mexico and here in Austin. Yeah. And I love going to Mexico anytime I can. And I want to live there, you know, but you were born here, right? You were born in Texas? Yes, I'm born in Houston, Texas. Yeah. All right. And came up. I was Mostly in Austin. I was born in Houston, Texas. Um, I lived in Houston maybe about a year and a half. And my older brother, who was five years older than me, was done the same thing with him. My parents were built were immigrant parents, were sons of immigrant parents, were the first generation born here in the United States. Um, they were doing the typical story, immigrant parents over here, working, building a home back in Mexico. So in case they're ever deported or anything goes wrong, they have a place to go back to, you know what I'm saying? It's something to fall back on. So back then the border was wide open or my father just didn't have a problem with coming back and forth a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. So they came back and forth a lot. And um, in the time that they were building the house, which took them a few years, they were working at first cafeteria. My parents met at first cafeteria. I'm a first cafeteria baby. Wow. Like I grew up in first cafeteria damn near. But um, so they were making a home and they went back and forth. They took us over there and then I, they left my brother there to be raised by my grandparents. And then at one point they took me down there once I was already at least on feet, I think. And um, they kept me down there for like two years as well. As a baby, I have plenty of pictures of myself as a baby in Mexico and then decided that they were moved back to Austin. They were, they, I think they had opened some furs here in Austin. The one off 35 and Ben White was the one my parents uh, were assigned to. So, of course, we moved to the 4-5 area. Mm-hmm. Um, we were right around the corner from there. My parents literally walked to work every morning when we first got here. And um, so I was raised in South Austin since three years old. When my right before I started going to kindergarten, my brother started attending school here too, second grade, and we were both raised here in, in South Austin, man. Ever since then, you know what I'm saying. So I pretty much considered myself an Austinite. Well, I like that you said Mexico and Mexico. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. truly bilingual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truly I'll say both of them. I'll switch, but it's crazy, <laughs> man. I can tell you stories about my cables kind of switching, like my wires crossing yeah, sometimes when I'm in mid conversation. Sometimes I bet, I bet, man. Uh, what part though? What part of Mexico? Michoacan. Yeah. Yeah. South 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 Mexico, man. And um, so, where you been going back to? Where I because I see the videos and I've watched you online. I say, so you been going back to? That's where your roots are. Where you're from? Yeah, that's where my father is from. Okay. Uh, the town that I stay in is where my father is from. 
of course, my mother married and then moved there as well. You know what I'm saying? So they had a house that they had down there that they didn't even use for like 30 years. It was just inhabited, mm. man. Like, and I just looked at it. I was like, man, let me make some modifications to this house and let me, let me, you know what I'm saying, make it livable. You know what I'm saying? Because I was kind of tired of going down there and having to stay with my grandparents all the time at my grandparents' house with my aunts and uncles and all that. And like, I just like had my own little private space. So I asked him if I could make some modifications to it. He let me. I got some running water in there. You know what I'm saying? Got some some hot water and all that because I still where I stay still stay at. You don't have running water all day. You still have to wait once uh once every other day for your water. They don't they only run your water to your house about three four hours a day. You got to be there to or have your wife or somebody that needs to be there to fill up because if they're not you're not there to fill up you miss your water day man you can be short on water you know what i'm saying so man. it's still mexico like that you know what i'm yeah. saying where we're at so ever since a kid like once my parents did get legalized they used to send us back and forth all the time i fell in love with mexico man as a kid like used to have they used to have to drag me out of my grandparents house to bring me back over here after some vacation was over yeah, people don't understand it. They're scared. They don't understand it, man. I love to, yeah. you, that you're bringing back the content too. Just to show in the videos, showing the scenery, like it makes me. I'm jealous. I love. Uh, I love the yeah, travel. Yeah, that's that's, that's what really I've like loved. I've, I tell my videographer all the time. He's like, "Well, what are we gonna shoot?" And sometimes I'm like, "Man, you don't even understand. Just us walking through the neighborhood here, and the colorful houses, and the 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 cement, the brick, the." gives it so much like texture to the to the video man like because people over my people over there aren't even used to seeing this kind of stuff exactly and that was another crazy part about it man like this is something i haven't talked about on any other interview um there's uh there, there was a, there was a crazy following of people that i had at the time when i moved to mexico because i had like people who were mexican-american maybe born here they had mexican parents or mexican grandparents they had that interest to want to know Mexico. Mm-hmm. But, of course, they only see Cancun. They only see Cabo. They only see the tourist places that they promote mm-hmm. to you and that the average person who hasn't visited Mexico sees and kind of has an idea of. So when they were following me, they were seeing Mexico, Mexico. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like the real Mexico. Like, And people loved it, man. Like I remember when I first got there and I would be putting up pictures, man. People would send me messages. They will be like, thank you for putting up pictures, man. Thank you for... Letting me know. And all I'm putting up is us like working some dry, like letting some chiles dry. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But just that kind of stuff that the kind of stuff that Mexicans have to do to work hard for their day to day vessel. You know what I'm saying? Like people were loving it, man. Like all the stuff that I was just putting up some food. You know what I'm saying? People were digging it. Like they were like, you're showing us so much, man. And I was like, there's a little bit of culture for you, motherfucker. <laughs> man, for real. But you just, you said it earlier in the thing when you were, you were born, you said, quote unquote, the border was wide open. What are these assholes saying today? We got a wide open border. It's like, bitch, the border ain't open. Uh, Come, yeah. you know, we used to be able, I only did it a couple times. Like, I, I wasn't, I knew people who were going down there every weekend practically, but I'd go down. Yeah. You know, I did the whole go drink tequila and get some Valium shit once. And then I went yeah. another time with some like family people just to the border towns when I was young, young. Oh, was like, to, but that was like you just walk across, put a quarter in the in the little thing. Literally, if like we're talking quarter. going to Mexico, yeah, it used yeah. to be even more wide open. But like, you know what I mean? Well, being an if uh, you were an American, guy. if yeah. you were an American, yeah. you could just walk over. Yeah, you didn't. You could come back. You didn't even have to show anything. You you could just come back right back over. If, yeah. if I remember well, no, back in the nothing. late '80s, early '90s, when I was a kid, I remember we used, we used to just walk right over and everything. 
but it was being Mexican coming over here that was hard yeah, and that you didn't exactly. understand. But now they kind of the Mexican government kind of got kind of got strict on that shit, too. They're, so they were like, well, now you need a, a passport to come over here, too. At least. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You're not just going to come over here however you want. They got because nope. I, when I first started going the first I started leaving down there like in 2016 after my uh, my grandfather died. And I used to go down there without a passport. I used to mm-hmm. have just my, my ID and the my birth certificate like I was used to doing back in the day. And at first, when I would try to go into Mexico, they were kind of like, well, you need a passport. And I was like, well, I don't have a passport. I was like, you know how te- long it takes, man? My grandfather just died, man. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how long that shit takes. So they'll be like, $30. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and give them $30 and they let you go by. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But after a while, sometimes they start getting strict about it too because I guess they start getting the whole attitude of, oh, you fucking gringo. You think you just come over here and fucking do whatever you want or what? And they start. Some they're of them also, get that attitude. They're also looking for guns. Yeah. You know, they don't want us filthy Americans bringing their guns down there either. Yeah, that's the exchange, and right? So nobody talks about that, though. Nobody talks about the back and forth, the real back and forth of it, especially mm-hmm. right now. And it's like, it sucks that it's changed so much in a sense because the rhetoric has always been there. I mean, marijuana is illegal because of this. There's all kinds of reasons that, you know, this border has been an issue in, in for us for a long time, for them, not for us necessarily, right. but... America and uh, it's crazy now the way they talk and I'm like man I just one a couple years ago drove uh, 90 back from Marfa that hill like Terlingua and Big Bend and all that and I took 90 instead of 10 went through Del Rio and I was like man if you can get your ass past these 5,000 green and white trucks that are going back and forth back and forth like everywhere you go like like it's not open it's not yeah. simple man but the beauty is what I want to talk about. I'm like, fuck that. You know, you have, uh, you're one of the few people, like I've, I always say a lot of times here in Austin, one of my complaints is people get real comfortable performing. We have so many opportunities as far as like performing and partying and hanging out. But a lot of these guys don't even go to like San Antonio. Mm-hmm. People don't understand that there is like, we were talking before I went to, when I drove to Monterey, I, was, I went there simply because it was not the only reason, but it was the closest big city. That's not a Texas city to Austin. Right. Hands down six hours. And you know, it's like, it's so easy. And so many people don't take advantage of that. And maybe you have the advantage of having family down there, but like, man, I think about the experiences you must've had and how I know how much traveling opens my eyes, opens my mind. Yeah, man. It, it just, it makes you see things different, man. Like way different. It makes you think think of things on a more broader view and a more world view of people. Like it makes you realize how privileged you are mm-hmm. when you might think that you're not. When you might think that you have it a little bit harder than the rest, and all this and that. It actually mm-hmm. makes you appreciate where you came from a little bit more. You know, I can't. A lot of people ask me that. They're like, "Well, your parents worked so hard to get over here." And give you the kind of opportunity. Why would you go back? And I don't have an answer other than dude. Right. But do you know the kind of emptiness I grew up with here? You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I mean, the the uh, Mexico is, is lovely, man. It just the people that are there. You know what I'm saying? Like the people, the way they treat you, the community that's there. Well, I want to say, like you, I mean, you're completely right about us being privileged. We are very privileged, but when you get to there and you see the people who aren't, don't have the quote-unquote privileges we have, but then see their genuine happiness and the yeah. way they actually treat each other as, and you're like, this is actually different from what I'm yeah. living with. 
For real. Yeah, it's like people are more genuine, man. Like people are like they there's a saying that we have in Mexico or in probably in all Spanish countries that people with less give more, you know what I'm saying? Like That's true. People know what it's like not to be offered anything, so they offer you something. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people say uh a lot of people make a big deal about the food. Like you go to any Hispanic home, they feed you a lot. They you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because the belly is of course where our nutrition comes from and that's where we have the strength to go out and do the things we have to do to bring home the bread for our family and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So everybody's offered a meal. You know, nobody's going to be left. If one thing in Mexico, we're not dying of hunger. You know what I'm saying? So even if it's just a little bit, they offer you something. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I cut hair in Mexico. I, a lot of a lot of the tips that people bring me is like a bag of a bag of guayabas, a bag of of some kind of fruit that they're working because they work commerce. You know what I'm saying? Like. Just that kind of like barter exchange with people is just so dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot more Mexico town, towns in Mexico are a lot more dense. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So you run into a people a lot more. Yeah. I would imagine it's kind of like New York. You know what I'm saying? Like you walk up the block, you run into five, eight, ten people. So you're running into family members. You you're talking to everybody here in the United States. You go outside, you see your neighbor. You probably trying to dodge him and trying like trying hope hoping he doesn't see you. You know what I'm saying? Like, because people just run from their car to their house, from their car to their job. You know what I'm saying? In Mexico, everybody comes outside, man. Everybody talks to each other. Everybody tells you hi. Like, I've had my my videographers from the city out there. And even in the city, it's different from our small towns. Because, like, I've had him walking through through the town with me while we're filming. And he sees everybody telling me, Keith, hey, what's up, Keith? What's up, Keith? What's up, Keith? <laughs> like, And I got to tell you, you know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. responding to everybody. And there's times he's been like, man, you know all these people. <laughs> like, yeah. They know me, man, because of the, the the internet shit and the music shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've become a popular face in my town. You know what I'm saying? So tell them, like, it's a different, th- it's a whole different vibe, man. Like, Mexico just has that kind of, like, love, man. Like, people people talk to you more than they do here. Man, I love it. And, I mean, Mexico City is one of the biggest cities in the world. Basically. I mean, it's a huge, it's a cosmopolitan city, so you can see that. But, I mean, when I... I do not love um, like a resort. You know what I mean? I don't want to yeah. go. I want to see where I'm at. You know, so <clears throat> I always love to find those kind of towns, you know, to find a place and find the real people, the real food anywhere we travel. It's I like, try to tell people that, man. I'm like, I see a lot of my friends when they're, sometimes I feel like a dickhead doing it, but there's times I see my friends, they're on, on vacation and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, go like, where the people at, man? Like, take a picture of the people. Take some video of the people. Where the hell are the people that live there, man? Like, mm-hmm. see nothing but damn tourists around where you're at that are all holding their phones up with shit, man. Like, yeah. do y'all not try to talk to these people and stuff like that? Like, Michoacan is one of the most, man, Michoacan is, I'm not, I don't mean to brag on my own state where I'm from, but even I've been amazed by things that I've seen there. Like, I've gone to Michoacan and we've gone to these they're tourist places because, of course, that's how they make their money now. You know what I'm saying? These small towns make their money like that. But there's people they're still speaking the old dialects from there, the, the Purepcha language, you know what I'm saying? They're still there speaking it, and it's just dope, man. Like, we talk to them, we get to, t- I've, I've gotten to, t- to know them and see, and gotten to know that their whole town doesn't even need to, like, everything that, 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 that they do that's funded there is funded by touring, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, the their water, uh, their water reserve and all this that, that they have to pay for, their electricity, all that's paid for by, by the tourism there. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty dope, man. Like, you get to see people speaking the dialect still there, dressed in the way that they used to dress there. 
still having the same old habits that they've had for generations, probably like 50, 100 years back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Man, I love it. Do you uh, ever perform down there? I performed once, man. Yeah? Yeah, we did a... It was kind of crazy. Even that was crazy. I have film. I could send you some film of that. We had a um, we had like this little fest festival that we did, and at the time we only had like one song out, one video up, but everybody kind of knew me already as the rapper from town. And we did this festival where we did a bunch of different genres in the music, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were doing the idea of it, man, me and I had two little homie rappers. You know what I'm saying? That were gonna perform with us too. And I was telling him, I was like, man, I kept feeling like in Mexico, in a small town, for some reason, I still thought like the 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 regional was was the thing that everybody listened to. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was what was big and that was what the thing there. I, and then I like underestimated us, man. Like there were a, a, a lot of other genres of people went up and did karaoke and stuff like that to entertain the people. And as the night went on, like more and more people kept coming out. I told them to put us late because in a small town like where I'm from, mm-hmm. around seven o'clock, eight o'clock, everybody's trying to go home already. They're not in the streets like that. So I was like, all right, well, the older people, especially the older people that aren't going to like the rap, they're going to go home early. Mm-hmm. And like, so put us late. You know what I'm saying? I told them to put us on like around nine. And I could hear in the crowd, like, people already telling them to, to let us go on, to put us on, to put us on, because it was getting late. And uh, so I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I could see, like, a demand for us to get put up. Now, I'm not going to lie. There was a shitload of people, man. Because I'm talking about a small town where hardly anything happens. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, I know how it goes. So, and then a, there's a page, there's a Facebook page that gives, like, uh, that's kind of like a news page out of my town. Because we don't have, like, mm-hmm. a news fucking channel or anything that gives the news of our town or a newspaper. So he's over, he he reports the news. He was behind the festival too. You know what I'm saying? So the whole town came out, man. I'm seeing more and more and more people come. So we go on, we perform, man. Everybody starts going crazy. Like I've in Austin, I've done shows. Besides the Gary Clark show that me and Franchise did, I've never seen people scream for us like that, man. man. People were like screaming us for us crazy. And I was like, when they announced me, I expected maybe like a uh, and we've got a. Uh, I was like, man. oh shit! So and yeah, the whole done, show was in Spanish. Whole show was in Spanish. Yeah, one see? show that we did, man, and that's the one show I've done. I've, I've, I've kind of refrained from doing the the show, man. Like the shows for some reason in my career. Like I did so many here in Austin, and it was just like this. Like I want to wait till I have fans, man. Have, wait till I have a fan base. I'm saying though, that's a uh, rapping in Spanish. That's your ticket. That's yeah. your your yeah. passport out of here. It definitely man. has been. It definitely has been. Go down there, and you know. I'll get you connected with Fat Tony. Even Fat Tony was doing a weekly for a few months in Mexico yeah. City, a monthly yeah. for like a year. So he was going back and forth every month. Uh, there's, there's, you know, what, 20 million people there. Yeah, man. You get a um, show there in Monterey. I know you can get a show in Barrio Antigua. I know you can get a show in, uh, man, uh, who was just down on uh, some, I was just watching some rapper who wasn't, Small but wasn't big. Like, who was it? it was somebody just did like Cancun and a couple shows in yeah. that area, which the tourist areas. I mean, that's got to be wide open to an extent. You know, somebody down there. Actually, we'll talk off off the air because I don't know huh. what his status is, but somebody booking things in in Playa for Man. sure. Uh, we're gonna think about this because uh, yeah, because okay, uh, the only reason I've refrained from doing shows down there is because like I already know my. I'm not I'm I'm not delusional, man. I know my I know my level of, of, of rapper right now and my level of artist that I am and I'm gonna have to do the shows with 
five, ten other artists on the on the damn ticket. You know what I'm saying? And I just see those shows it being like a house full of rappers, man. Like we're rapping the rappers. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. I'll tell you, you know how I, I went to Monterey the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like telling stories sometimes because I, I can see the dude's face and I don't remember everybody's name. And yeah. it's not it's an issue because this dude from here hooked me up. He's like, man, my friends have a club in Barrio Antigua. Do you you know any rappers who might want to go do a residency in uh, Barrio Antigua? <clears throat> I was like, no, not really, but maybe. And I was, you know, of course, thinking about like Latinos in Houston. Who am I gonna? I could ask some people. Yeah. And he's like, well, basically, what they do is it's it's like a review, like a Las Vegas review, and they have people that like look like Ricky Martin or. Uh, Selena or uh, Shakira and it's like a whole review like a Las Vegas nightclub type show which I couldn't even really picture they had reggaeton dudes they had breakdancing segment but they wanted a black guy to come rap like the hits (laughs) like cover songs yeah but it would just be like a medley like not even a cover song they literally just wanted like a good looking black dude who could rap yeah and and do cover songs and it was like a nightly thing and the crazy thing is a rapper from Beaumont named Ill Tactics had just given me a 12-inch of a song that uh, Sean Blaze produced, and it was called Rap Something. I don't know, but basically he he was doing impersonations of, of rappers really well to the point where when I put the record on, it was vinyl, I put it on knowing this dude very well, and I was so mad. I was like, why is he rapping like 50 Cent? <laughs> I was like, he sounds exactly like 50 Cent. Why? Freaking out like this sucks. What is this shit? And then he goes into the next voice and the next voice. He does Scarface. He does, you know, and it's like he it's like a crazy thing where he really did a good impersonation of the rappers he was trying to impersonate. Yeah. On different verse to verse to verse. And I had just gotten that record right then. So of course this guy tells me he wants somebody that can cover other people's music. I was like, I got a dude who could do their voices even, man. He's dope. <laughs> <clears throat> And but I didn't know if he would go. I called him up. I was like, "Man, you got this opportunity. They'll fly us down there like this weekend to come check the place out, yeah. see if you'd be into it." And he was like, "Yeah, let's go." And uh, he probably had a passport, but that might even have been before you had to have the passport at, at that point. And uh, we went down there, and this club was nuts. Like it really? wasn't like something that I would go to in Austin. You know, it wasn't like something I would go to in, in general in life, like go see some review of people doing covers or whatever. But for that experience that night, it was incredible. Yeah, I've seen. And, uh, I've seen. He some, took the job. He stayed down there for a while. Yeah. He loved it. I've seen some really great shows, man. Like um, they get some great responses because yeah. of the fact that it isn't so saturated still in Mexico. The As I'm saying scene. though, you should just you know you rap in Spanish very well. That's get why. Their I, face. That's why I think. That's why I think it's been going good for me because it still isn't like oversaturated to everybody. And in my town, mm-hmm. it's still like a new thing for me to tell them. You know what I'm saying? Like I was I was saying that the other day. Uh, in my town, I think the reason it's worked a little bit better is because around the areas that I'm from, it's still uh, it's still like unattainable to people over there. Like here, everybody's a rapper. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Everybody's a rapper here. So like when they see you doing, like they, st- they still ask what, like man how did you make a song how did you make that video you know what i'm saying they still ask questions like that 
So I think that's why it's been going a little doper for me over there, man. Like here, you're damn near embarrassed. I'm damn near embarrassed to tell people I'm a rapper sometimes because because the stigmas that come with it and the stereotypes. But rapping in Spanish and that opens up a whole new world for you. You never even have to be here, man. Like yeah, Latin, for sure. For Latin sure. music as a whole has been taken over for years. Oh, no, really for sure. I don't think I'll ever rap like, in English again. Yeah, man. I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Like get down in those areas. You could tour that whole country yeah man the uh on tiktok then, that's what that's what's been blowing up man i got this song i got the song called the american dreams El Sueño Americano, and uh yeah. we shot this video where uh well i didn't even, okay look we didn't even shoot the video before i even shot the video and i was promoting two other songs because i was trying to get the perfect video for that song i was promoting other songs right and on tiktok they were already make, making videos to this damn thing like there was already man. about 50 videos that they were making and the weird thing was, is they got this little habit of, because of what I'm saying in the song, people would, like, Hispanics would film themselves at work. And then somebody else started doing it. And somebody else started doing it. And then somebody else started doing it. Man. And out of 50 of the videos that first started off, maybe about 40 of them were this, were this trend. And I was like, what the fuck? So when we started thinking about the video, I was like, man, I'm trying to do this whole, like, crossing the border thing, reenactment and stuff. I was like... Man, why don't we just do what they're doing on the on the on the on TikTok and just make it follow everybody to their heart to their job, everybody that's hard working, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I was like, and put that out there of our people and show people and like, okay, y'all say that we're coming over here just to do bad shit and cause problems to people. Well, we're gonna show y'all. I'm gonna show y'all and I'm gonna talk to y'all about the real reason because I come from the poverty side of it. Mm -hmm. I don't come from the side of, oh, let's go take advantage of the American government, you know what I'm saying, and have big trucks and all this shit. I come from people that had nothing. That grew up surviving on cactus, on beans, and on tortillas. You know what I'm saying? So people like my father didn't even know what it was like to eat meat till he was about nine or ten years old. To eat mm. meat was a privilege to mm -hmm. him. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to tell people that kind of story because I come from small town Mexico. I don't come from the city. I was like, I want so I so we're telling people, and in the song I mentioned. I've worked in my in my field. I've, I used to work in a uh, tree service. You know what I'm saying? So I used to work with Hondurans. I used to work with Salvadorans. I used to work with people from Guatemala, and I included them in the song. I mentioned them in the song. When we finally do do the video and we put up the preview on TikTok, the shit gets like fifty thousand views in overnight. You know what I'm saying? And then I put up another video, another fifty thousand, another video, another sixty thousand. You know what I'm saying? And I. I I'm, I'm pretty much over like half a million reproductions on the song right now. Mm -hmm. Over, I'm, I'm at about a thousand people who will film themselves, and that's when it got even crazier. Like, there's about a thousand videos of people out there just filming themselves at work, playing the song, attaching that's the song dope. to it, man. And it's dope as fuck from all kinds of jobs, from sheetrocking, from roofing, from uh, cleaning ladies, from people that work in restaurants. Everybody's filmed themselves with this damn song, brother. Man. And people from all over in South Central America, like Hondurans, Salvadorians, Guatemalans, they've all taken pride in it because I don't know if they have like artists that talk about them. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. then people started going. I, when I started, when I told my wife, because I would sit there like I've never in my life stared at my phone and watched the notifications in real time, literally sit there and go up Damn. the whole time. Right. So I'm sitting there watching to do this and I'm telling my wife, I'm like, man, you know, when shit's getting crazy is everybody. When people started being like, well, what about Cuba? Well, what about Panama? Well, what about Ecuador? Well, what about Costa Rica? Well, what about Puerto Rico? You know what I'm saying? I was like, God damn. I was like, and my girl was like, you ought to make a remix. You ought to make a remix and name all the countries. Yeah, man. No, that's some of the realest videos, for real. I watched it, and I, I could, 
I don't speak Spanish like that, but I definitely heard you shout in the mentioning the other countries, yeah. mentioning the workers coming here. It was pretty dope, man. Like, and that's the reality. That's the reality. Is so much more beautiful than uh, the narrative they give us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like I said, I'm from small town Mexico, man. We're from yeah. real poverty. Like when I went to Mexico as a kid. I mean, not to be so graphic, but we still shit it in the woods, man. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, we didn't have we didn't have outhouses. We didn't have none of that. You went out into the hills, you know what I'm saying, to use the restroom. So, and probably when I was probably about 10, 12 years old is when people started getting restrooms and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And putting restrooms in their homes. And we actually got a sewage system going in our town because we didn't even have that at first. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When I went as a kid. So... Yeah, man, I watched my little small town progress little by little, you know what I'm saying? So that's the kind of reality I wanted to tell everybody. Like, this is why my dad came here. My dad survived on very little, man. Like, he had very little in his life. You know what I'm saying? He had a very hard fucking life. You know what I'm saying? He shot himself as a kid in the hand, and he couldn't even he couldn't even go uh, get surgery on it. You know what I'm saying? He could afford to get surgery or get it taken care of. He had to let it heal on his own. He lost he lost a feeling in three of his fingers. You know what I'm saying? Damn. It's the kind of poverty I'm talking about that we come from. You know what I'm saying? So I, I tell people like my friend Blacksmith. Mm-hmm. I know you, you're familiar with Blacksmith. No, I, I put Blacksmith on a video on a video call when I'm down there sometimes, and he's like, man, he he even gets amazed by some of the things that I show him. Like it just it's taken back. It takes you back. Like I showed him a picture the other day of my grand my grandfather on my my mother's side just passed a few days ago. Um I showed him a picture of him in our small town where we're from in South Michoacan. He got taken to the cemetery in the back of a pickup truck. Mm. I show him the picture. And he's like, I'm thinking I'm just showing him the pictures like, hey look, like this is my this is my grandpa's casket we in the conversation about it. And he like he's taken back by it. He's like, damn, bro. He's like, it's in the back of a pickup truck. I'm like, yeah. I'm like that's that's that, to me it's normal because that's South Mexico. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, man, that's crazy. He's like, that's I've never seen that. I was like, yeah, man. That's the kind of stuff I come from. That's the kind of stuff we're trying to put out to the world. And I know there's people from all over small town Mexico, all over small town Central America and South America that relate to that. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that a lot because that's what I I ask. That's all I ask in this music is uh, your story. I don't yeah. want to hear a lot of posing and a lot of other shit. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? Man, I like to like, hear the realities and, and see the, uh, oh, this, okay, so, the story. So this is the reason why I like you because you and the reason why I look up to you so much because you're man. very particular about what you like. I'm very much like that too, man. Like I like... I like, don't get me wrong. I like the fun shit. I like the... But man, I want life. I want you to give yeah. me life. I like... I like uh, songs Friend or Foe by A-Ball and MJG. I like uh, Too Real, uh, High Life from UGK. You know what I'm saying? Songs like that were songs that marked me, man, very strongly. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, that that shit's cool, but I want to talk about the realities of this shit, man. You know what I'm saying? Like my life, because I know somebody else could relate to it. You know what I'm saying? And I always tell people, like, when when you actually do the act of singing, of singing along with something, you're releasing energy, man. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's just like going and telling your wife how your day was. You know what I'm saying? Or your wife telling you how her day was. She's releasing that. She's releasing that off of her. So there's songs like One Day by UGK. When you listen to it, you got friends that passed away. You sing along with it, man. You're releasing energy. You know what I'm saying? Like It's mm-hmm. like therapeutic to you. So that kind of stuff to me was always like, do some life shit, man, that people could relate to. You know what I'm saying? Man, well, that's important. All those songs you just mentioned are still around. They still exist. Hell people, yeah. people still jazz and they still are yeah. classics. That's and what, uh, that's what I, I love to hear. I really do think, though, 
all those countries you just named, man, your knowledge and what you do, it might not be a million dollar tour from the beginning, but I know you can hit a lot of these places and do some shit, like just especially in Mexico, man. But then, you know, Panama, you know, get yeah. down there and start yeah. working that. They they want music. They yeah, party, I want to start getting into places like, uh, I'm, of course, we know Guadalajara has a scene, a great scene. Monterrey has a great scene. Mm-hmm. Mexico City has a great scene. So you need to start traveling into these places and start trying to get around because I'm sure I've seen I've seen shows in Mexico fill up fill oh, up yeah. concerts easily. I mean, man, it's exactly what you just said. There's such a want for it. You know, what build, I'm saying? build it and they will come, man. Exactly what you just said. You got even some of the big cities. You know, they don't get when you see like heavy metal bands play in in South America and it's like to ninety thousand people is because that's not happening every week yeah. in that town. You know, like yeah. it's a big deal. Well, that's what happened in, you know? at the festival of learn. That's what I tell yeah. a lot of people. I'm like, man. We got this kind of response, cause, and and even after the the festival happened that night, like the next day, people would tell us they were like, "Man, everybody was there for y'all. Everybody was there for y'all." And I was like, "Man, I thought everybody's gonna go home when they announced us to go up there." Yeah, man. I mean, it's different here, but I tell people, South, some small towns in Texas, man, they want shit too. Yeah, I guess I was you know? taken back too by how big Mexico. I mean, um, rap was in Mexico. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I didn't it's know everywhere. it was that big like that yet. And they've got their own thing. I mean, when you listen here, like a Molotov or Control Machete or, yeah. you know, a lot of the early stuff that my brain's not fast enough to just rattle off right now. But you hear that stuff. It's like they had their own thing, too. You know? So I was uh, I was making fun of the fact the other day um, with a couple of people who were actually artists from Latin countries as well. I was like, it was funny to me that uh, at first when I was trying to make a Spanish album, I was trying so hard to like look for Spanish sounds, like Mexican sounds, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I see a lot of Mexicans American American doing when they try to like cater to that crowd. Mm-hmm. They take like uh like Ramon Ayala samples, like yeah. Fito Olivada samples, right? And if you go <laughs> you check out the rap that's going on in Mexico, they're trying to sound like us over exactly. here. You know what I'm saying? No, they're not exactly. trying to sound anything like that. They don't no. care to put any of those kind of sounds in there. They're trying to sound like the hip-hop, the boom baps and the traps that are going on yep. over here. You know what I'm saying? Or the reggaeton. Yeah, or the reggaeton. That's crazy, right? But yeah. I mean, the. I love the new What It Do. It's pretty crazy. I haven't, I've only listened to like two or three of the, yeah, the, pro- pretty much the songs that they've about. been promoting off of yeah. it, but... That's nah, good, man. It's good. Wow. I love that. Just see that the, the culture's mixed, man. But yeah, man. Shout out to Rick, man. Rick's been showing me a lot of support lately as well, man. Great. Like, I told him I wanted to be on the next What to Do project. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh man, you need to. I was like, you got to get me on there, man. Do some Spanglish stuff. Yeah, well, Rick there. has a passport. You know, what I mean, like y'all yeah. could be out on the road sometime, man. Down there, I think. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm, I'm ready I'm to go. About Rick for hey, I'm ready man. To I'm, if <laughs> hey, you know. we're ready. I'm ready to do it too, man. Like I'm, I'm getting my show down. Like I said, I refrain from doing shows because I just don't want to do the the little local shows nice. and other uh, nothing but rap crews in there, man. But I was like, if it's something significant that we can do for sure, you know what I'm saying? I'll definitely go out and do that. Hell yeah, something new, man. What's uh, your latest project? I'm working on uh, my second my second Spanish solo album called Rancholo. You know what I'm saying? I worked a lot off of my first Spanish album. I worked probably like about 12 songs out of 15 off of there. So because uh, I felt I had just good mm-hmm. material, man. And I always feel like, well, we're in the days of everybody releasing singles. Well, I'll just put the whole album out in case somebody wants more music. If they hear one song that they like, I was like, and I'll just work every song like a single. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When I did you it. decide to start rapping in Spanish? 
about 2015 man yeah. 2000 right when i right when i put out the first uh english album because on the yeah. english album i already had a bilingual song on there yeah and um was that the song with the i'm drinking and smoking no it's another it's, i have a bilingual song with a girl named daniela rodriguez well that wasn't the song but was that the same project this, yeah yeah that's yeah, the project 2015 yeah, yeah. okay yeah so that's the that's the album i produced with boz and uh yep. t murphy and will bridges you know what i'm saying oh yeah so um we had already done a bilingual song. We had kind of seen the reaction from people because we had uh, the social justice action group from um, from University of Texas. Mm-hmm. They invited us to do like a poetry thing. Yeah, they were like they were considering my my music like social work because we were talking about mm-hmm. the struggles that people in in Latin America go through, even in that song. You know what I'm saying? So they had us come perform that, and I was and we started seeing that kind of response. Boz, Cutter, music. Everett, they were all, all my producers were like, dude, you need to start doing some Spanish shit. You need to start doing some Spanish shit. You need to start doing some Spanish shit. And I was like, man, I don't know. I was like, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't at all familiar with how big hip hop was in Mexico yet or in Latin America. You know what I'm saying? So I was kind of like, nah. And then when I started seeing the, the English stuff, you know what I'm saying? Kind of dwindled down a little bit after the first album came out. I was kind of bored with English rap. And I was like, yeah, well, let's see. So I started trying some stuff out, and it felt it, it felt fun again, man, because I knew the whole the entire language, and I had never tried rhyming anything. You know what I'm saying? So it was like I wasn't over, I didn't overconsume Spanish rap, so I wasn't, I wouldn't think of lines and be like, oh, somebody already said that. Mm-hmm. Somebody already said that and I, as I deal with English. I was like English, I was bored already with it. Mm-hmm. So when I started going in Spanish, like 2015, I started writing. We didn't get the album actually out to like 2019, but I mean, um, that's dope. It's a great, you know, project. The videos I've seen, the songs I've heard is real cool, and it sounds good. Good, you know, like I, um, when I travel, I find if I stay in a hotel, I find the video channel, like the music channel, to see what's going on in anywhere I'm at. And I mean, what you're doing is, is very much in line with what real hip hop would be in any of those places I've seen. I think you know, you got the visuals, you got the, you've already in two places, you know, yeah. and. <clears throat> Maybe there is an Austin tie-in. Maybe somebody would be interested in hearing that, knowing you know, like oh, Austin, Texas. Yeah, man. Like, in Spanish coming down here. No, I got everybody asking me. They're like, "What's what? What are the numbers you always have on there?" And I tell everybody, I'm like, yeah. "Man, that's South Austin, man. That's where I'm from." They yeah. they all grow interest because I still promote it. You know what I'm saying? It's still like live from seven eight seven four five. Even if I'm I'm catering to Spanish to Spanish speaking people because they think the the English shit's cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They all love that shit. They love they love to try to say something in English. You know what I'm saying? Or for you to mix a little bit of English in your yep. in your Spanish shit. They think that shit's cool. So they all they all gain interest, man. They're like, "What are those numbers you always putting everywhere, man?" I'm like, "Man, I tell them." They're like, "Your your zip code? Oh, I get it. I get it. It's your hood. Mm-hmm. It's your hood." And I'm like, "Yeah, man." So yeah, we're trying to trying to put Austin on the map, man, everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Also trying to put my small town on the map in Mexico and letting people over here see the life over there. You know what I'm saying? So. We're actually got a little one side and the other side thing going, man. That's been pretty cool, man, that I've actually been able to work out. Man, for real. And it's easier to get to where you're from. It's about probably about the same drive as it is to drive to Chicago. Right, right, pretty right. Pretty much. Yeah, it's about, a, from the border, it's like a 12-hour drop. Yeah, so 16 hours or so. Yeah, it's about 18 hours from here, from Austin, if you yeah. need, you know what I'm saying? So. Well, as with the with the delay at the border. Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. You have to count that. For sure, man. The, uh... 
I'm just I don't want to stay stuck on that because my brain I'm, my brain's kind of going right now. Like, what so can I want to interview you a little um, bit, Matt. Like, uh, no, I mean, can I'm I do about, that? Can yeah, I do you can, that? What I'm saying, I'm thinking about like you got my my brain moving in that like tour direction. Like, what can we do? Like, like I said, man. Like, there's really strong hip hop scenes in Guadalajara. Yeah, that's probably one of the strongest hip hop scenes in Guadalajara. There's a very strong hip hop scene in Mexico City. In Monterrey, and then I know of a couple of more little smaller cities that have their that my Morelia, where I'm, I'm I'm 20 minutes outside of the capital city of Michoacan. They have a strong music scene mm-hmm. there. I've seen people fill up fill up warehouses with rap shows, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so, there's pretty strong scenes going on, man. Like I said, I just don't I don't know too many of the people that are moving the promoters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Still, we have a we have a thing called. Um I like these called Google. <laughs> I'm down. We should look into that for real. Like I said, maybe I don't know how to use Google to my advantage nah, like saying, that in that like, way. I mean, but. Well, you can say like just what's going You can look at what I always look at and see what's going on. Like try to find like the, not every city has an Austin Chronicle, but they usually have some kind of website that's like, this is what's going on in town. Right, right, right. And you find, you know, just find out what you can find out about every place right. and kind of organically go from there. So, uh, I've always wanted to ask you, man, like around one, you, I've heard people say that you're one of the reasons hip hop is even on South by Southwest. <sighs> you're going to get me canceled, man. All the way. <laughs> well, Ooh. I mean, that's probably wrong information. You mm. know what I'm saying? If it is, let's clear that up right now and give somebody else their just do. But no, that's, I, mean, I hear your name brought up in that conversation a lot. For your generation, pretty much, you know, or our generation or whatever. Yeah. To an extent, like from that, time period when you're talking about you know the early 2000s into whenever but uh right i mean 1987 is when south by started 1991 was the first like hip-hop show and i was put on <clears throat> there's a guy named care worthy care worthy was a guy and i say he's a black guy from texas just to put it in con- you can picture him walking around in a def jam jacket he did all the like and he was here in austin and he did all the like promotions for all the labels back then. So all of us who were wannabes looking up, like, how do we get in the industry? You know, we had like this one dude <clears throat> over here and Houston was bigger. It was, you know, he worked throughout Houston and Austin. And I eventually saw other people, but Keir Worthy was the one who worked with the South by people in the beginning, helping them meet people in the industry and things like he was like a, a, a black man in Austin was pivotal in the early days of South yeah. by for things. <clears throat> Not, he wasn't one of the executives or but he worked with them and helped, you know, a lot. And he put on shows from like 91 and then moved up to New York in 93. The, uh, a guy named Andre Walker took over and I had a radio show in Houston. He came to me with a group called sociopath left from South Austin. And, um, paraphrasing a lot here, but we met and talked and he was like, Oh man. Yeah. I was like, Oh, Southland was amazing. I'd love to, come out there, you know, and uh, do anything. And he's like, well, yeah, come up and uh, we're going to be going through all the demos like next week or whatever. Like and there was a little shack, like shed behind the South by offices. And that was like the listening room back then. And so maybe there were 20 or 30 hip hop submissions in 1993 for 1994. Mm. And uh, me, Andre, I know DJ Southpaw was back there. Rest in peace. Man. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out, but you know, Harvard and Chris from Sociopath left were in there. There was a group of us. Andre kind of assembled like a, a committee to listen to all these tapes and to bring things like I brought Chaotix from Houston and 
uh, Poetic Souls, things like this back then. But anyways, I worked with him in 94, 95, and 96. And then after him, T-Double came in a bit and booked some stuff. And then Hip Hop Mecca, to me, were the ones that like pushed it a lot further over the top because they, they started bringing in like kind of bigger shows and, and like they were they were like the era of you know hieroglyphics and uh project blowed freestyle fellowship those type of groups were first starting to come here yeah like they were really pivotal in a lot of that there were people before them too like i don't remember everyone's names but like the people that surrounded like blondie skate shop and <clears throat> there were promoters and catfish station was the venue mm. so things were going on before that and they they started booking south by stuff and brought in a lot more, you know, what I say, I mean, maybe more than this, but like the, all those crews, the visionaries and the, the rhyme sayers, those people who were starting to come in around then, right. that was hip hop mecca for sure. Dope. <laughs> um, then, but then after in uh, 03, I, I'd come back to Texas and I had the radio show again in Houston. And I just wrote a, a blind email to music at sxsw.com and said, you know, if I could get Bun B and Swisher House and these guys up here, could I do a Houston show or a Texas show, really? And uh, he just wrote back, you think you could do that? That's all it said. And I was like, yes, I can definitely do it easily, you know, and so got all those guys signed up. And This I, is what year? Uh, for 2004 mm. was the that, that year. So it was 03 when we first started talking. Wow, that's the, that's the same year you did the uh, source cover article, right? Now the source was 06. That's 06. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. How did you get hired for that? I mean, I was just there wasn't so many people doing it back then. I mean, there were people before me and stuff, but there was not like a lot of people <clears throat> writing. Right. There were people, but it wasn't like that. I mean, I had my camera. I had the you know I just was in the place all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, you and always... plus I had the radio show and. Pretty much always been a promoter. Um, I have another question too. Uh, some you might, you may or may not be be familiar with. I don't know. I have a, a little series I've been doing on my on my Facebook called ATX Hip Hop History, and I'm just I'm not like documenting ATX Hip Hop History. I'm just saying the kind of stuff that I'm yep. that I've been around to see. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think it was 2015. Weird City, the first year they did Weird City Hip Hop Festival, 2014 oh, or 2015. I was around then. <laughs> so, okay, they did Weird City Hip Hop Festival the first year, right? And um, they put up the lineups. And I'm like, man, what the hell? I'm like, I can't I can't lie, man. I kind of felt away because there were like a few acts that I knew that were active, that were doing videos, that were doing albums, that had stuff that were, weren't were included mm-hmm. because they were a little more, like they were a little less tend to the hip hop side. They were a little more street rap, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I saw a bunch of people that did tend to the hip hop side, but weren't active on shows. And I was like, man, what the hell? So I took this conversation to uh franchise, right? I sit with franchise, getting high with franchise. And I'm like, this is around Hennessy, North Chapter time. I tell Fran, and Fran puts this shit in my head. He's like, man, y'all should do a show. I'm like, what? He's like, you should get all the people that you feel are being left out and do a show. I said, what? He goes, do a show and go against them. He goes, call them out and go go against them. I was like, shut the fuck up, dog. He's like, go against them, bro. And then I saw your Big Dirty uh, head uh, list go up. You, the Big Dirty show that you had for them the first year. 
Because mm. you had a Pushermania show for yeah. Weird City, right? Yeah, yeah. And Big Dirty was one of the people on the line, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. He was the only person that I thought was like somewhere street rap that was mm. included on there. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's because Matt said. That's probably because Matt said he needs to be included. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I was like, what the fuck? So I took this conversation to Boz. Me and Boz are having lunch. And I'm like, well, me, what do you think about what me and Fran said? Well, Fran proposed, man. He go, he gets on the phone. He starts calling people. He's like, hell yeah, Fran. Boz gets fired up. Boz starts calling up everybody. Calls up Will Bridges. Calls everybody. And I don't, I don't know if you, you're familiar with this, but in one or two days, you got included in those conversations. And we ended up making that show part of the closer for Weird City yeah. Hip Hop Fest, man. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you were like, wait, because I think we had even talked and Boz had even told you that we wanted to go against him. Because Boz was on this, ah, this bullshit shit, you know what I'm saying? Because like Cripple Hayes wasn't even, and me and Cripple Hayes were his artists at that time. So Cripple Hayes wasn't even on the show and... And um, I think he got on the phone with you, and I think you were the one who was like, "Wait, man, let's try. It's a great show. Let's try to get this show on there. It'd be it'd be a better look for y'all. You know what I'm saying?" I mean, I remember that. But I went through that shit every fucking year for South by. I had more people tell me what I wasn't doing than what I was doing, but <laughs> um, <clears throat> that I do remember that, and it was just a matter of like making it happen. Because my main thing for that year. Because that was that was Protester, that was Hip Hop Parade, Leah yeah, and yeah. them, and and they, you know, I. No, the money mu- people much were like, respect to them. Much respect to them. I remember the, them, the like, money people were the people were, were backing it. Were like, who do you think we should book? And I, what I would always say, because I got them on Fun 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 Fest and stuff too, I'd be like, Pharrell Mons and Jean Grey. Huh. They're two of my favorites. They're affordable. Mm-hmm. They're dope, and it's worked out more than once. And it's Austin, you know. That was my main contribution that first year, I believe. And then when you guys came in with that, I was like, yes, let's get all the other locals on here. Let's make it happen. Because I've seen – I don't even like looking at lists. I know what you mean, man. Like, there's always a question, like, what is this? Why? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, like I said, like, at the time, I just felt like, man, we were really active. We were putting product out. We were actually having videos out. I was like, man, yeah. I see a lot of people that aren't really active like that and they're being included just because they're tend more to the hip-hop side. You know what I'm saying? And I've always felt, I don't know if I'm wrong in this, but I've always felt like that's the kind of music that runs Austin hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? Like the more the Raekwons, the uh, Pharaoh Manch, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. Like I've never really felt like the mainstream stuff or the, the street stuff is what dominates in, in the downtown area where like, like places like the Mohawk they would book more hip hop shows, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. It's sad to see that it's died down a lot, man. Like the whole Red River district is gone pretty much, you know what I'm saying? So I mean it still exists. I think there's less hip hop in some ways and then like uh but it still exists. I mean, Large Professor and Ed OG were just here last week at, at Flamingo. We've seen, you know, there's there are people that come through and then what Jay Soldier's doing down there with the local artists now, all the young guys, like I think they get a bigger crowd for that on Tuesdays when they do it than they do a lot of shows. Yeah. So, I mean, things are still happening, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I liked in the nineties, early nineties when I came up here, sociopath left for fucking weirdos, man, they were funny. <laughs> and, uh, I came from Houston where it was real serious and hardcore, which I also love, but I could come to a show in Austin, even Dallas, you know, Dallas had really incredible DJs and like a whole like mad flavor and a different sort of scene up there too, back in those days. 
whereas Houston was very straight ahead, even though, you know, we had Chaotix, we had other some other groups. I was just in but, Dallas at, uh, not to cut you off, but I was just in Dallas at Josie Records, man, my first oh, time, yeah. and uh, I was looking in the cases, and it was really interesting to run into a shitload of music that I was not familiar with any other artists, and I'm pretty sure there were local artists from around there, man. Oh, man, Dallas had a hell of a scene, but it would be like, it would be cooler to, if somebody was coming to Houston... Like in 92, 93, it'd be cooler to come up and see them here because it'd be more in a proper venue generally, a real right. stage, real sound. Uh, and the college kids or whoever it was cared more about like the alcoholics or whatever than they did in Houston, even though they had a crowd there. It wasn't nothing, but it was like here, it was like more kind of hype. So, yeah, I think historically it definitely is. But then if you go back to Flow Mob, First Degree, all that's that see, that's my talking. Austin era. Yeah, I'm exactly. Not. Like, like that's, fatal, yeah. That's my Austin era that I that I know of. Sam Houston, exactly. Sam Houston, and boys. then like First Degree yeah. Dynasty, like Man yeah. with Your Grip was the first song I probably remember somebody mentioning Austin. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So that's where I that's my cloth right there. So there was always a big dividing line, and I said back in the days in the '90s, and when I first came into South by, I was always like, man. We need to knock down this big dividing line of I-35, man. Like, this is stupid. I mean, when I put Fatal on, this is 2004. This is way later. And there had already been plenty of Austin artists on South by, but more mm -hmm. like you're talking about, I suppose. But not not just that. But when, I remember Fatal looking at me. He's like, man, he got his badge. He's like, wait till they see this in the hood. I'm like, you're like probably 30 at that point and been around. He's like the OG already, you know, been around, done everything. And I was like, really? This is like special to you? That's really strange because, you know, it, it sucks. Like, that that big wall, that big border, and it's just, I'm sorry, but it's a lot of people just don't get it. You know, yeah. I like hip-hop, and if it's real, I like it. It can be gangster. It can be nerdy. I don't care if it's if it's good, if it's real, you know. Yeah, if it feels genuine, man. Uh, uh, I mean, I think, like, League of Extraordinary G's were a great example of, like, they went real hard, but they were very hip-hop. Like I loved that whole that that time period here was amazing. Yeah, the, the around 2011 the day this that I missed, I came out around 2011 when I started getting back in the scene. I missed the whole back the back room days. Mm. Like I hear a lot about it. I hear so much about it. Yeah, I know I know Vincent that worked at the backstage and Jimmy Dean. You know what I'm saying? Of but course. I don't. I wasn't there, man. Man, damn, really? Damn, no, those were the days. I wish somebody would document that shit because I've heard stories about it. And I was like, that man. That Jimmy Dean era of the uh, back room was crazy. Yeah, man. I hear a lot about it. Like I said, I wasn't, I was, I, I stayed away from the scene for a while. I didn't come back till around 2010, 2011, until social media came around. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I stayed but away. But it was an exciting time, man, for sure. And it's, there's so much history. You know, I love that you're doing that because there's so much history here that. And other places, like you just said, you went to Dallas and didn't know much about these artists, but they had a, they had audiences out there. They had their region, and and you know they had their breakouts too. But every city, like I loved, that's what I loved about regional rap. And when my, you know, when we'd buy tapes or go to a city and find out, just ask. You right. just ask the mom and pop store what is what's going on out here. Right, man, I'm still like that. I'm a collector, man. I like, I love, I collect CDs though. I don't, you know, what I'm saying I don't do the vinyl. I'm I'm a weird person, but that's the time that I grew up in when tapes yeah. switched into CDs. So I just I collect a lot of CDs, man, and I hunt these stores down when I go to places. You know what I'm saying? And try to go find them out, man. Go dig. I found a ba I found Bavu's creating hustle up there at Josie Records in Dallas. Oh man, I have a video. I I, I tagged him on Instagram. I'm like, check it out. Like, creating hustle up here, man. That is dope. 
Yeah, man, that's the best. Well, if people, you know, want to hear more from you, want to get in touch, do you have anything you want you want to leave them with? Or uh, uh, y'all can look me up on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, everything by Keith Corona. My name is pretty, pretty. Uh, it's pretty individual, so you'll be able to find it pretty quick. You know what I'm saying? Um, live from seven eight seven four five is the channel as well. You know what I'm saying? Like I have tons of videos, music videos, tons of music you can listen to, hours that you can spend on there, man. Um, <clears throat> we're about to have this brand new project coming out that we're including a couple of like cumbia rhythms with, a couple of corrido rhythms with hip hop. You know what I'm saying? But doing it to our own our own way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we got Cutter Music still producing, you know what I'm saying? I still have a couple of Boz beats sitting around to put out. So no. we still got a lot of ATX production in there. My my, Even though I'm in Mexico, my first album is entirely produced by Austin Producers, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, of course. So did it all by email, you know what I'm saying? So been able to do that. So, yeah, man, those are my my, my YouTube channels, what I try to plug the most, you know what I'm saying? Because we have a lot of content on there. So And it's you the YouTube just Keith Corona? Keith or? Corona, live from 78745 is the channel. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of content up there, and I do highly advise everybody to check it out. Yeah, we have some great videos on there, man. I try to do uh, a little bit more than just standing in front of a camera and waving my hands, you know what I'm saying? Try to do a little bit of ideas that are t- tending towards the actual song, what we're writing, and um, we film a lot of Mexico stuff, you know what I'm saying? A lot of stuff in Mexico, a lot of culture, a lot of... A lot of the places so y'all can see on there, you know what I'm saying, and get familiar with where we're at. It's dope. I love it. Yeah. Appreciate it, like man. Thanks me. a lot, man. It's an honor, man. Like man, I said, it's an honor to have you. Thank like you. Like I said, I, I I mean, I want to make this actual publicly, man. Like when I came out in Austin, I wasn't really, in, I didn't care about impressing other rappers, man. I didn't care about anybody giving me a nod or an award or anything. All I ever cared about was Madison's Island, Bavu Blake's giving me that man. nod of approval, man. And to, with this, both of those things have come to life to me, man. Like that's that. dope. Man, so I'm I appreciate glad. it, man. I, my respects, man, to everything that you do. Man, much respect to you, and thank you. I mean, and I think we'll have a part two where we can do a tour re- recap. Right. Hopefully, yeah, let's put that in the air, man, for sure. Winter's a good time to be in Mexico. My, I get out there in February, man. Yeah? February, I start getting out there, and I stay out there for a good eight months, a little good eight-month run. That's dope. So, And I'm, I'm, I'm willing to move around, man. I'm able to move around, so... I'm not tied to anything there, so you know what I'm saying? If we can start, you start plugging me in with people, I'll even go before even you you get down there. You know what I'm saying? I'll start trying to move in with these people and see what we can get going, man. Man, I'm with it. Let's do it. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you all for tuning in once again to another edition of Talk So Real with Matt Sonzala. My guest today has been Keith Corona. Oh, and yeah. uh, like I say, every time, tell a friend to tell a friend that uh, we're on all the platforms like subscribe whatever they do or just uh keep listening appreciate you